everyone, this is Will, and welcome to this brand new and exciting episode of The Missing Piece. Now, we are reaching almost the end year of 2022. So in other words, more than eight months later, the whole world continues to follow the war in Ukraine. And it's rather difficult to understand this grand strategy behind Vladimir Putin. And meanwhile, and I believe that you know it as well, and also Putin knows that his ruthless behavior has caused this devastation not only for the country of Ukraine, and also internally about his political strategy or even his political base in Russia as well. And the questions that we really need to ask, what are some of the hidden facts and regarding this war, and how about some of the side effects in the midst of the war in Ukraine? Now, that's why today in this episode, we are going to find out some of the different opinions or different facts regarding the war in Ukraine. And also, how about this political and also this economic engagement between Russia and Belarus? Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you follow our show, that you should be familiar with one of our distinguished guests, and his name is Tom Lord. And Tom Lord is a researcher and a writer focuses on political violence and armed conflicts, mostly in Europe and the Middle East. And again, he's co-founded MilitantWire.com, where he works as an editor and a regular contributor. The majority of Tom's personal works have been so far focused on Greece, Turkey, and the Balkans. Now, Tom, and welcome back to The Missing Piece. Thank you, Will. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. Well, Tom, brother, I have to say, every time I get more and more excited about the conversation. Now, again, let's talk about this amazing article that you published and which entitled, Anarcho-Communists Claim Explosive Sabotage of Russian Rails Connecting to Belarus. And within this article, let's get to it. You mentioned one of the significant organization. It's called Combat Organization, or also known as BOCA or BOK. So help us to understand what is the motivation of this organization and how does that relate to the sabotage of the Russian rails? Yes, sir. Uh, to, to just briefly give a, a little uh, context within Russia right now. So as your audience knows that there is a conflict going on, a state versus state conflict going on between the Russian Federation and Ukraine, Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th. Um, and the invasion has been unpopular within Russia among a variety of actors. Mm. Some of those are hardcore right-wing Russian nationalists. Others are just simply those who object to the war, not for, for political reasons at all, but for personal reasons and cultural reasons or even familial reasons. And then on the other end of that spectrum, you have the far left and the post-left anarchists within Russia who oppose not just the war in Ukraine, but they also oppose the partial mobilization, conscription of Russian citizens to go and fight in Ukraine. So uh, these claims have been dubious on either end. At one end, you have the Russian intelligence services, namely the FSB, um, saying that they have stopped active acts of sabotage from within Russia, sometimes they claim that those are committed by Ukrainian citizens acting within the Russian borders. Other times they claim that those are committed by Russian citizens who they call domestic terrorists. Um, and then on the other side, you have 
claims and evidence of action from dissident groups within Russia, which are a little less dubious because at tremendous risk to themselves, they do provide evidence, almost always photographic uh, evidence, video evidence of their actions. One of those groups that I've been focusing on and spending a lot of time following, uh, as you mentioned, is called the uh, the um, Anarcho-Communist Combat Organization or the Combat Organizations of Anarcho-Communists, which um, forms in Russian a acronym B-O-A-K, BOAK. Mm. Um, and they've had a variety of tactics that have interest me and given me cause to uh, continue to monitor their activities. Mm. Now, Tom, you know, it's interesting that, again, based on the report, that we know in order to succeed in the war in Ukraine, and Vladimir Putin has tried all his efforts and also his measures to recruit citizens to join the army. So in other words, it's on one hand, it's rather dangerous to look at his strategy. and But on the other hand, and also it's not fair for innocent citizens and just to equipped with guns or any type of arms and to fight against the people in Belarus. So, Tom, help us to understand, again, within this, within this article you mentioned, what about the people's attitude and why do you think it's so... I mean, I guess the question is, is it effective for Putin to realize the sabotage of such Russian whales can, can actually send a strong message to him and also to uh, the people in Russia. Yeah, so I, I guess I would give you a two-part. Uh, two, I would have uh, I would segment my answer to your question into two parts. Um, in terms of how popular is the conscription and mobilization of Russian citizens to go, go fight in Ukraine? Mm. That is difficult for me to say. Um, I, I, I know Russia as well as a person can without having ever traveled there myself, and I do not speak the Russian language, but I do a good job of keeping up with current Russian affairs. Um, now, the media is um, not very open in that country and almost completely state-controlled. There's very little political opposition. Um, you know, you don't get a... a um, oh, a, a rich uh, body of social media um etc coming out of coming out of uh, russia like a lot of, not a lot of westerners like myself follow uh, v contact mm. and other platforms like this so i can't say what i can say is that groups such as boac the anarcho-communist combat organization they have been successfully um uh, carrying out prosecuting a campaign of sabotage. Uh, you mentioned Russian railways. One of their favorite tactics is to target Russian railways in the west of the country, west of the Ural Mountains, leading outside of military bases to either staging areas in Belarus or into occupied portions of eastern and southern Ukraine for the mm. conflict in Ukraine. Now, they sabotage these railways by shunting them uh, to shunt the railways, to take up uh, uh, sh wood shims or steel shims or uh, another material to lift the track up from its original position without disrupting the segment at either end so that service signals are still sent up and down. Uh, and ideally, the train's operators, as well as uh, uh, engineers monitoring the rail, don't notice the disrupted segment of track until it's too late and the train derails 
The uh, Bolak has not had a <clears throat> successful derailment so far, but what they have managed to do is stop, according to their claims, as well as according to Russian media, stop significant amounts of Russian military hardware from making it to the battlefield on time. Uh, now, more to the point of the popularity of partial mobilization, other partisan groups and then other individuals who may not even be politically motivated, that is, in terms of having a political ideology, there has been, there has been a great deal of video coming out of Russia of individuals throwing Molotov cocktails mm. and other incendiary devices at Russian military enlistment offices and other Russian military bureaucratic facilities. Um, and then on the Russian end, the FSB, the Russian intelligence services, um, have claimed that they have killed uh, several, they always call them far-right nationalist uh, mm. partisans trying to attack um, you know, uh, liquid natural gas pipelines and things like that, um, whether their political motivations were actually far-right or whether that just fits the narrative of the current Russian state is something that I personally can only guess at. But mm. um, yes, uh, the, the groups like BOAC, who are genuine and authentic, have been taking tremendous risk to themselves in order to continue to sabotage the Russian war effort. And then there has been dozens and dozens of videos of either regular individuals or politically motivated individuals striking back, not just at the Russian state, but particularly at Russian military facilities. But Tom, you know, it's interesting that you use the word nationalist, because we know that today, when we understand the word nationalist, I guess let's bring the question to the, to the very simple level is there are some people who are still very patriotic towards Russian and also towards Vladimir Putin. But on the other hand, don't you think that they need to wake up and to realize that this person is actually is using the political power or using his uh, a political base to actually abuse the government or to abuse uh, the relationship not only between Russia and Ukraine, but also a Russia with the rest of the world. So from your perspective, Despite that we are seeing this group called a BOAC, but what about the people who actually believe or actually blindly follow Putin? What kind of ideology or what kind of political motivation are they trying to gather under Putin at this moment? I, 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 do, not, <clears throat> I do not possess a great geopolitical or geostrategic mind myself, nor <clears throat> am I of the mind entirely that... Um, you know, I guess I, I am not a uh, expert on the Russian state, um, and I would, and I, I guess I would just say there are probably a variety of motivations for not only the Russian citizen but the Russian soldier. And then, if you wanted to like think of like you know the fanatical level, like within, I'm sure you've heard of the group called Wagner Wagner PMC, which is mm. led by Yevgeny Prigozhin. There are units within Wagner PMC, a, uh, I guess you could call it mercenary political, uh, a mercenary clique uh, within, the, within the Russian military, but it's, it's kind of privately operated. Uh, within them, there's another clique called Rusich. Um, these fellows are uh, ultra-nationalists, neo-fascists, and neo-Nazis. They're led by a, a man named Alexei Milchikov. I guess that's, extreme, that's as extreme as you could get 
for support of the Russian cause. Now, the average Russian citizen, I wouldn't say they're blindly following Vladimir Putin, um, nor would I say that they haven't made their own calculations. They understand their society, their state, and the political uh, environment of Russia met much better than this guy sitting in America, myself could. Like, you know, I, I just don't have an understanding of it. It's, it's much more complicated than, uh, you know, it's it, beyond my expertise. Um, so I think, you know, and, and the Russian people are a smart people. Um, mm. You know, they, they, I'm sure there are a variety of opinions among Russian society. It's a country of 129 million, last I checked. Uh, I'm sure there are a variety of opinions um, in terms of the war. And here, my opinion might be fairly close to the center of Russian societies in that it's just, it is, I, I, I have heard, again, as a Westerner with very limited access, I have heard Russians say, this is a, a goddamn shame that, uh, you know, Eastern Slavs are killing Eastern Slavs. The Ukrainians are our brothers. We have far more bigger cultural enemies and, um, you know, people who have imposed much greater costs on Russia, such as, you know, Western sanctions, etc., cetera, mm. than have the Ukrainians. Um, and I have heard, again, this is as a Westerner, a lot of remorse and a lot of regret for the fact that the war is even going on. Mm. Um, but then at the same time, I have heard Russian opinion very soberly say, no, the war had to happen now. And this is actually line up with the American um, director of Central Intelligence Agency, Bob mm. Burns' opinion. Bob Burns, the chief of the DC of the CIA here in the United States, met with Vladimir Putin in October of 2021, and his assessment after that meeting was that Vladimir Putin was definitely going to invade the winter of 2022. The reason being that he had correctly interpreted Vladimir Putin's position that Putin was running out of time in order to use force to reverse the course of Ukraine leaning towards Brussels and the European Union rather than leaning towards Moscow. That was a perfect assessment it was the assessment of Vladimir Putin, and I think rightly or wrongly and without a correct strategic view to how the war has gone today, which has been disastrously for the Russians, I don't, I don't think that that's a controversial statement. The war has gone very badly for the Russians. Um, I think a lot of Russian society might share Vladimir Putin's calculation that time was running out in order to use the hammer to reverse the course of Ukrainian society and politics. Mm. Now, that was a bad calculation. It failed. But um, yeah, that's that's the best I have for you on that. Mm. Forgive me for the convoluted answer. Thank you, brother. Now, I want to go back to the article. Again, within this article, you shared numerous photos that demonstrate the Russian railway sabotage by Boag. And also, that this is something that you wrote, and I quote, and you said that photos from the recent explosive attack show a section of rails that has been completely blown away with ties destroyed and rembar jutting out from the crater below the missing segment of the track. Now, again, when we look at the description and in the article and also look at the image within the article that, again, the, the BOAC group or the organization that they claimed the destroy of the railway station. Now, 
Another question that we really want to ask is how significant is such move to send a message not only to the Russian government and also let people to realize, hey, listen, this war, it's not going to end well, or this is something that we all need to join, we all need to participate, and so that the, not only the people in Ukraine, but also the people in Russia can stop suffering from the war or can stop suffering from this political or this economic in, uh, uh, decoupling or disengagement. So what do you think, Tom? How strong is the message for the organization or for the uh, uh, to see the destroy or sabotage of the railway right this moment? Are you still there? Yes, Tom. I'm here. I'm still here. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, uh, yes. I'm sorry for uh, that was my fault. I lost you for a moment. Yes. Well, it's a huge escalation in Boak's tactics. Uh, Boak had previously used a method of disrupting the rails called shunting, which I described, and it was a completely mechanical method of you know removing the rail or or disrupting the track, but keeping everything together. Now the use of explosives is new for them. Um, they have also they've used incendiary devices, Molotov cocktails, and they have discussed the use of explosives mm. uh, in their manuals um, on their Onion site on the dark web, and um, on their their uh, various social media channels, mm. which are not easy to access or you know they're not right out there on the open. So. Um, yeah, the, the graduation to the use of explosives is a big escalation for them. I believe it was dynamite, but I am not certain. They've explored uh, other chemical powder, you know, liquid and powder compounds for uh, uh, improvised explosive devices. Boak's use of, uh, let's call it, a dynamite-based uh, device um, recently to destroy a segment of track in Bryansk, uh, Western Russia, again, near uh, the border, and they, they claim that the track serves both Belarus and Ukraine, which is interesting. Mm. Um, it's a huge, it's a huge, it's a huge escalation. And if you look at the photographs and just analyze the photographs, when Boak shunts a track, it's a minor inconvenience as long as they don't cause a derailment. And, mm. you know, the Russian railways will have to get crews out there, they'll have to replace the hardware, put the track back into place, get the signal going back up and down it, and then they can keep running. We're talking about a few hours. It's a, it's a pain. It's a pain for them, but it's not the end of the world. Now you dynamite a huge section of concrete and steel track like they did. Well, the track is out for days, uh, you know, and, and, and this was said by the perpetrators to be a, uh, again, a track that forked both to Belarus and to Eastern Ukraine, um, you know, that's shutting down all of your military hardware to going, going into theater. So it sends a huge message. Um, interestingly as well, TASS news agency, which is a Russian news agency reported on the attack. They were pretty tight lipped about it, which it rhetorically is a huge difference between I, I'm not sure if you heard recently FSB, this has happened a few times, but not exactly like this. The FSB claims to have killed a few pro-Ukrainian uh, saboteurs, militants in the west of the country. Well, like a few of these lads might have been well-known 
members of the Russian airsoft community, you know, mm. which is a you know, fake, fake weapons. It's recreational. It's like paintball. Um, and that's totally possible. They've also, they killed a couple of fellows that they said were attacking a gas line uh, back in this summer. And it, it just looked so doctored on, on the Russian side. You know, the Russians had put up a, uh, a Nazi flag with a swastika that like had all of the folded creases of having just been opened from a package or something, you know, it looked very doctored. Um, in the case of the BOAC attack, dynamiting the rail or bombing the rail as they did more accurately, uh, TASS news agency and Sputnik and other Russian state news agencies had to be rather tight lipped about it. They described the attack rather accurately, but they didn't say anything about the perpetrator, which logically would lend one to believe that, uh, they have as much or as little information as we do, and they're still investigating it, and that the attack is authentic. Mm. Tom, I know you're very busy. Now, I got two more questions before letting you go. Let's look at this sure. article again. Towards the end of the article that you mentioned something is quite interesting, and I think this is worth discussing too. And you wrote, and I quote, Russian has alleged that other partisan groups have also attacked Russian infrastructure in resistance to the war, including supposed the far-right nationalists shot and killed by Russian security forces in apparent attempt to blow up a gas pipeline in the west of the country. Now, help us to understand, according to your research, because you're the expert on that one, and help us to understand, besides BOAG, what other groups that actually formed domestically also shows resistance to the war and also resistance to the Russian government? That's number one. And number two, if, let's just say, follow the, uh, the article that far-right nationalists are shot and killed by Russian security, how much do you think such behavior is going to stop the combat organization continue to, uh, uh, to show resistance or to fight against the Russian government. Well, yeah, you know, that's what I was saying. Uh, claims are, you know, can be dubious on either side without, without evidence. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to say that, um, you know, from the attacker's side, they usually provide, uh, you know, the attackers, they usually provide photographic evidence. And mm. then you you typically cross-reference that with what comes out of Russian state media. And you can put together a picture of, of what actually happened. Um, when, when, when Russia comes outright, and I'm not expressing any bias against Russia, but when Russian state media just comes out and says, we killed a pair of neo-Nazis attacking a piece of critical infrastructure. A, it just looks too convenient that, like, you know, member, armed members of the FSB would be staged along a rural section of gas pipeline as a pair of fellows, you know, ultra-nationalists, right-wing ultra-nationalists, mm -hmm. neo-Nazis were going to attack it. Traffic evidence that is that of the Russian state, it always looks staged. 
you know, there are always little props that are placed here and there. Uh, everyone remembers the Sims 3 incident, uh, mm. which if your audience wants some amusement, just type in Russia Sims 3, as in the PC video game. You'll mm. get some interesting stories about a staged and doctored photograph of a supposed raid on the outpost of neo-Nazis. Um, in terms of genuine Russian discontentment, though, I mean, it was just in September of this year that a man walked into a Russian recruitment center. There was a Russian military officer who was uh, giving an orientation to an incoming class of Russian military recruits and filmed by a bystander, presumably, or one of these recruits, these prospective recruits, this Russian citizen walks in with a pistol, shoots and kills this Russian officer, and everybody freaks out and flees the room. Um, that's not the first of its kind. There have been mm. other shootings. I mentioned Molotov cocktail attacks against Russian military bureaucratic facilities um, and similar. So that is pretty authentic. Now, to what extent is that representative of the greater Russian mood? I'm not sure. Um, you know, one could say that these cases are marginal, but there have there have been dozens of them authenticated since the war began on February 24th. Mm. Tom, I want to wrap up our conversation by going back to the article. Again, this is an amazing article that actually, again, as we mentioned before, dug a lot more uh, um, facts and also dig deeper regarding the reactions of the people and also reaction for this, um, any organizations that show resistance not only to the war, but also to the Russian government. Now, Tom, the last question I want to ask you is, from reading this article, or for anyone that who follow the war in Ukraine, by reading this article or by reading the information on militantwire.com, what would you expect the readers to understand? Or, or what is the a reason for us to pay attention to such piece of the details regarding the war in Ukraine? Milton Wire is uh, somewhat of a specialized research platform. So uh, again, I mentioned that I personally don't have a great uh, geopolitical or geostrategic mind. That does not represent all of my colleagues. Mm -hmm. A lot of People at Milton Wire, including Lucas Weber and my friend War Nor, both, both fellow co-founders, have great geostrategic and geopolitical minds. Um, and then outside of Milton Wire, both of them, particularly Lucas Weber, do indeed write about uh, diplomacy, geopolitics, geostrategy, and kind of the bigger picture. Milton Wire's specialty and focus is on armed conflicts, particularly focusing on what we have called non-state armed groups and SAGs. Mm. Um, since the war in Ukraine kicked off, we have been focusing on, it, it, of course, the Ukrainian war, as I mentioned, is a state war and it is a conventional war. Um, most of the war we focus on is asymmetric conflicts, um, so insurgencies, um, you know, rebellions, terrorism, um, these aspects of it, since this conventional war kicked off, began in Ukraine, where, where we have found uh, relevant space to write about it is in some of the more nuanced groups that have joined the conflict. So mm -hmm. on the battlefield itself in Ukraine, you have various 
volunteer battalion, battalions, units, brigades who have joined the, the conflict. There is the Castis Kalinuski uh, brigade, of course, or battalion, excuse me, out of uh, Belarus. They are Belarusian nationalists who resent uh, the regime of uh, Alexander Lukashenko and his relationship with Moscow. And so they are fighting for the Ukrainian side. You have the Georgian Legion out of the former Soviet Republic of Georgia who are fighting for very similar reasons. You have various Western units. You know, there's the Baguette Battalion out of uh, out of out of France. There are you know American units. There, these are of interest to us at Military. There, are, within the Ukrainians themselves, the Territorial Defense Force. There are anarchist units. Um, are fighting these are of interest to us at militant wire because uh zooming in on the war they 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 defy kind of the normal picture of a, mm. a state-formed army fighting another state-formed army they are they are an interesting aspect of the conflict if i had access to or maybe once i have time and energy i would like to focus on some of the irregular units that are fighting on the Russian side. Now, those might be some of the Chechen units um, who are loyal to Ramzan Ramzan Kadyrov, or they might be, um, I mentioned an interesting neo-Nazi unit fighting for Wagner PMC that calls themselves Rusic, and they've been particularly effective as uh, a recon unit um, as well as a regular fighting unit. that's of interest to us at Militant Wire because we like the irregular aspects of warfare. Um, and, and we founded ourselves as an organization that focused on smaller insurgent movements, um, guerrilla warfare, um, and yeah, other various irregular aspects of conflict. Um, one of the interesting things about the war in Ukraine to us um, and every conflict is a tragedy. We, we, you know, we, we, you know, our, our, our interest comes from an academic place. But mm. one of the interesting things about it to us is that it's so covered on social media, and there's so much documented material on it. And it's it, it is also it it has the interesting characteristics of having all of these various units who are fighting or have taken place part in the conflict, um, who are themselves just fascinating in their origins and their ideology and their methods. Um, and so BOAC in particular fascinates us because they are not on the battlefield. They are over the lines on the Russian side and they are presumably all Russian citizens and they're taking tremendous risk to do what they do. That's right, brother. Again, as we mentioned before, I strongly encourage everyone who's listening or who's watching to go to militantwire.com because I know that not only Tom, but also you mentioned before another co-founder, Lucas, that you guys has been writing amazing articles and also information and published on militantwire.com because I know that for facts, every time when I'm looking for unique 
pieces of stories regarding the war in Ukraine and also any other international crisis that I surely go to militantware.com to look for the reliable sources and also reliable information. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to speak to Tom Lord. And again, Tom is a researcher and a writer focused on political violence and armed conflicts. And again, he's the co-founder for militantwire.com. Tom, thank you so much for taking your time to be on the show. It's been a pleasure speaking to you regarding this critical information that you just shared with us. And we wish the best to all of you. And also, we continue to support and follow you guys on social media and also on militantwire.com. 